Welcome to Wellness for the Hot Mess. I am so happy to have you. How's your day going? It's morning time where you are, right? It is. Kristen, thanks for having me first and foremost. Um, Second, I experienced my first ever California earthquake this morning at 4.45. No way. Um, That was like a a totally, it threw me off starting up my morning routine. I'm like getting dressed, getting ready to start my day. And I'm like, it sounds like a car just hit my house. Like, Shut what is up. going on? Um, and all my, me and my two roommates come out of our rooms and we're like, is someone breaking in? And the one that's lived here the longest was like, you just got your first earthquake. Oh my so, gosh. <gasps> you're seeing me like four or five hours post-earthquake. I'm feeling good. Everything's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did stuff in your apartment like shake like an actual earthquake? Yeah. Like literally the whole house was shaking for no. a good 10 seconds. Oh my and gosh. that was it. I don't think I've I've experienced an earthquake once. I was in high school still. I remember being in my basement at home in my family house. My I was asleep taking a nap. I was like an avid napper growing up because I played a lot of sports, which we'll get into. But I remember coming home from swim practice one day, taking a nap on the my dad's recliner downstairs. And then I was woken up because I felt like a little shake in the recliner. And usually when my parents would come home, they would just like tap the back of the chair and just be like, hey, wake up, whatever, go do homework. So I thought it was that. And I turned around and no one was there. And I was like, what just happened? So I turned the news on and I literally just felt an earthquake. And I was so I honestly, earthquakes feel fake to me because they never happen where I am. So it was crazy, but they happen in California a lot, right? I know. Um, I'm surprised it's been about two, a little over two months since I moved here and it's the first one. So also very bizarre experience though at 4.45 a.m. Yeah. You're like still getting your bearings, much like after a nap. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, what's happening? Yeah. Wait, that's pretty crazy. I'll have to text my sister because she lives right above you, I think. She's right north of you in Ventura. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right in, um, pretty much in Venice, like a little bit inland. So I'd be curious if she felt it. Yeah, I'll have to ask her. So speaking of where you are right now, you are, you haven't been, like you said, in California for long. Tell me about your travels out there. Cause when we first met, you and I first met, you were in Virginia. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, Arlington, Virginia. Um, yeah, so I mean, this time last year, I had just moved to Arlington. I was about to celebrate my first of quarantine birthdays. Mm. Tomorrow will be my second tomorrow birthday. Tomorrow. Oh my god! Yeah. Happy early birthday! Yay! <laughs> All the exciting things yes. here to start things off. So I was there. I was doing. Uh, I was assistant fitness director at a country club. It was okay. Yeah. Um, I thought I loved it, but quarantine kind of got me to realize like there's a larger impact for me out there. And it gave me so much time back, Mm. like so many of us got last year. And when I had that time, I started thinking like, what can I create? What can I do? And that's how we ended up in that same business coaching program, trying to to grow a um, coaching business here. And that has since led me 
out to LA to just kind of pursue a network that I found myself more and more in touch with. And it was just easier if I was in the same city as the people I was meeting right. time and time again. Right. Yeah. So here we are. Right. How has it been since you've moved out there? You've only been there a few months, but a COVID move is tough. How has that been? It was interesting. So it started, I got out here by doing a two week road trip with my dad, nice. which was crazy. Cause a year ago, if you told me I would take off two weeks from work, I would have been like, absolutely not. I was so used to the model of trading my time for money right. as a personal trainer slash coach in that sense. And it was all in person. So it was a unique experience in that sense. It gave me an opportunity to quite literally work wherever. I think the, the closest to it not working it ever got was one day I was driving from Memphis, Tennessee to Austin, Texas. And I had a coaching call scheduled at um, 4 p.m. Central. Hmm. Um, and I literally rolled up at like 3.57 to the Airbnb. Oh my gosh. And I was like, all right, we got to run in, log into the Wi-Fi and hop on this call. And it worked. Um, but yeah, since getting out here, it's been great. It's been weird because along the way, the places I was stopping to get out here, stuff was really open mm. in like Tennessee, Texas, obviously Arizona. And then when I got here, I just haven't been able to explore all that much because right. things have been closed down so still getting my feet under me but i like it so far good that's amazing you're super close to the beach right or am i wrong yeah it's like there's one block of houses in front of me right now and then the, the beach is right there so for me there's like skyscraper garbage alleyway man who sits on the corner and yells me every morning and then there's the water so we're like kind of in the same situation but a little different I forgot to mention, yeah, there's a large homeless population <laughs> between me and the beach, if that makes you feel okay. more relatable. Okay, yeah, okay. I feel that. Um, but before moving out to California, before even thinking about like last year, like we said, we met this time last year in a business group. What was your main job? I know what you did, but tell the listeners because I think the transition you've had from like that corporate world to this is like, it honestly happened pretty quick and it's a really cool story. Yeah, it was super quick yeah. um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It feels like forever ago. Right. So like I said earlier, assistant fitness director at a country club um, was loving it, but I was also in charge of the swim program. So that basically meant I was leaving my apartment at about 435 mm -hmm. every morning mm -hmm. and teaching clients, having that weird gap in the middle of the day teaching clients again in the evening, coming back around 8, 8.30 at night, repeat Monday through Friday. So um, yeah, it was a lot. And on top of that, I was hosting my own podcast, The Athletic Mindset, and found myself way more jazzed up about the podcasting stuff yeah. than I was showing up. And it just felt like I was running on repeat. I think a lot of people can re relate to that when you're just so like in the zone automatic. Right. Um, and I needed something to wake me up. And thankfully, uh, for better or for worse, that was quarantine. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. I think that did that for a lot of us. But I'm used to, I know exactly what you're talking about with those 4.30 a.m. wake up times. I was yeah. a swimmer growing up. I did competitive swimming. It was my main sport, that and volleyball. So I know all about the swim life. Um, so you were an athlete as well. I stopped my athletic career 
going into college. I injured my knees and I just like realized I wanted to have a normal college experience. I didn't know if I wanted to dedicate it to athletics. So I stopped going into college. What was your career like with athletics and when did you kind of stop on the professional side, quote unquote? Yeah. Um, I think that's why you and I get along so well yeah. is I'm also a swimmer yeah. and swam my whole life starting at five years old, mm-hmm. um, swam through high school and then swam at the University of Delaware, just down the street from where you went to school. Yeah. Um, and it was a great experience there. I mean, I, I went on to, at one point, it was as many as seven school records. I think I have six still. Mm-hmm. One of them got broken. Damn. Darn. Damn. Um, That's better than me. <laughs> All of my records that are on like the wall of the swim clubs. I think I had three records total when I was younger. They're all smashed now because the kids nowadays are actual beasts. So I don't even have a single record left. <laughs> I was one of the rare, um, like growing up in like summer league or my age group team. Like I, I didn't have records on those teams like at all. Yeah. It was like rare if I got one. Um, and I remember taking a teammate home from college. Uh, he was just staying with me for a few days and we went to my summer pool I think you're one of the few people that has more like collegiate level records yeah. than like your summer swim club. Yeah. I was like, yeah, huh. I guess I just peaked at the right time, like when it actually mattered. Yeah, I didn't. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome though. Well, yeah, that, that like took me through college and um, it was a weird ending for me because despite that success there, um, my last race ever actually was slower than I was a junior in high school. Wow. And like, that was it uh, for me. And it was also the mile yeah. as a distance. So very anticlimactic ending to a career. And that left me with a ton of questions around like my own identity, my own self-worth. What am I going to do next? And it was not a fun time, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> here we yeah, are. No. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect segue into exactly what I wanted to talk about today. Usually I was telling Corey this before we hopped on. Usually I send my guests like questions and what I want to talk about, but I had a feeling that him and I would just flow into this conversation naturally because we both kind of went through the exact same thing. But I have recently been switching up my training a little bit, my exercise routine, my training, all of those things to be more in an athlete mindset. I've been picking up heavier weights and doing the workouts I used to do when I was a full-time athlete and just tapping into that athletic mindset. And I feel like this is something I've been missing for a really long time. I really tried to let go of that when I stopped in high school because I focused on college. I wanted to focus on getting a good job, whatever. No one tells you the post-traumatic depression and stress that you experience after athletics are out of your life. And it's taken me, what, seven years now to realize that that was such a huge part of my identity that I completely left go and I let it go and I left it behind. And now that I'm 26 and stepping into like new spaces with my career, my personality, my finding myself again, whatever, I miss that part of being an athlete. Like I miss the mindset. I miss the early wake ups. I wake up at 5.45 AM now and I don't need to like I don't need to be up that early, but I miss the drive, the hustle, the mindset that makes me feel like an athlete. So I know that feeling of once it's like done and gone, it's done and gone. So I think it's really interesting that it's now circling back around for me, what, seven years later. So I'm really curious to hear your take on that because I know you feel the exact same way. There's just like this huge piece I felt like missing of me for the last seven years that I'm now like retapping into. And it sounds silly because I'm not an athlete anymore. Obviously, I'm not a professional athlete, but 
I like want that drive again. So I'm like curious to hear your take on that. Well, one, I'm not surprised that it's circled back for you and that these are the emotions that are coming up now that you've rediscovered it, so to speak. And I think you're selling yourself short because even if you stop at the end of high school, odds are you're probably doing whatever that sport was for a good like 10-ish years. Yeah. And at that point, you're 18 years old. Like that's over half your life. That's got to be something that's linked to who you are as a person to an extent. I think where it gets harder as you, and what I've seen with the people I work with, with the former athlete community now is once you play into college, it's a little bit of a different ball game. And then once you tap into that professional realm, it's even more so where that identity and sports gets even closer, like intertwined. Mm. And there's less of a notion or understanding that like you are more than the athletic self of you because you have to dive so deeply into that athletic part of you to make a living in sport. So I'm not surprised that it's come back for you because for at least 10 plus years of your life, it was who you were. Right. Uh, or rather, I like to say it's an expression of who you are. Right. And because it's part of who you are, now that you're tapping back into it, you're starting to, just like any other activity that is an expression of who you are, when you do it, you feel fantastic because it it's you at your core. That's what I encourage a lot of people to do now is – yeah, like your workouts, they don't have to be a three-hour swim practice anymore. Right, right. And when I think of a three-hour pool workout, I don't, I'm not motivated to do that. Mm-mm. It doesn't mean I'm not athletic anymore and I like couldn't do it, but that just doesn't light me up anymore. But what lights me up is I got into running in the past year. I got into dabbling into triathlons a little bit now. It's like, Finding these other things, the first thing that I fell in love with post-swim was the weight room Yeah, because I was told for so long, you can't lift. Right. Being a distance swimmer, I needed to be stick thin. And I took that to the extreme. I put on like 50 pounds in eight months. Um, I wish it was all good weight. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I, and that's what I learned, right? Like I I think the, the heavy weight lifting, I loved it, but it wasn't fully who I was. Yeah. I learned that I could then be an and also mindset of like, I want to lift heavy and like deadlift twice my body weight, but I also want to be able to run a mile pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And I want to go swim when I feel like swimming, not all the time, but I want to still be able to do it. Right. And that's what's helped me a ton over the past few years, just with that transition. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so it's that's like so spot on. I feel like for me where I'm at right now, and it's like you said, it's not about getting in the pool for three hours or doing that type of workout. I think it's now just about challenging myself again. And like, I was so, I was a very stubborn athlete. My mom listens to this podcast, so she'll laugh listening to this. I was very resistant. I was stubborn, but I was always the coach's favorite. Cause I was always the one who worked the hardest. And I was always like, I'll prove them wrong. Like you can't, you tell me my weakest stroke was butterfly. People who swim will know this butterfly was my weakest stroke. So I wanted to do the IM because I was like, I want to put that as my first stroke. And that was like my main event. And I became so good at the IM and just like little things where I was like, I want to prove everyone wrong. I was so stubborn. I think I missed that part of me because I have been so Zen the last few years of my life that I'm like, where did that Mm -hmm. 
part of me go. So I almost feel like I'm in an identity crisis as an athlete. And then one question I wanted to ask you was when you talk to clients now, because I know you work with a lot of former athletes, but I almost feel silly talking about this to other people because athletes are celebrities now and like everybody knows who they are. And when you're looking at an athlete, it's like this person that you look up to that you want to be. So I almost feel silly considering myself an athlete anymore, which is why I think I pushed it away for so long. Cause I was like, I didn't mm. take that side of me into college. I can't call myself professional. So what's the point? So what would you say to someone like me who is just like searching for that piece of me again, but being almost like too embarrassed to say like, I'm an athlete because I feel like I'm not, but I am, but I don't have that title. Yeah. There's that stereotype, yes. right? Because we, we grow up now watching these athletes right. on TV and like, absolutely. To me, I think it really goes down to how you define what is an athlete. Yeah. And I've always identified it as someone who moves their body with just some intention behind it. Like right. there's a purpose behind the way that they're moving. And if you can really live into that definition of it, it doesn't matter if you played pro sports or you just played in your rec league, like growing up and you had fun, you learned to move your body with some intent behind it. And I think that is something that a lot of people can't say. Yeah. And I mean, you and I know the difference just in the fitness space. Right. Like when you just introduce intention behind people's training program again, they're going to get results. Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah. So you might as well feel athletic while doing it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I That's like, I'm all about movement with intention. So that's like my language. Um, so then I'm curious, once you step back into this like athlete mindset and you're starting to train again, like I am stepping into again and doing all these different things, I now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, so if I do want to go back to like my Pilates or my yoga and my low impact stuff, like, wait a second, I was just in the athlete mindset and I have to switch back to low impact. Like I'm struggling finding a balance with that. And I know you're a huge advocate for like finding balance with exercise and reframing that mm -hmm. mindset that it doesn't have to be, like we said, that crazy intense workout. So I'm just like struggling with, okay, one side of me and the other side of me, how can I find balance? Yeah. I mean, it's like the same as masculine and feminine energy, yeah. finding the balance between the two and the expression. If we're too much in one mode, we're always going hard in the pain or whatever you want to call yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to lead to burnout eventually. Um, it's why the athletes that are like, I'm just going to work harder than everyone else. Like I was that way for a while. And then I experienced some forms of burnout. It took major events for me, like a heart condition yeah. that led to surgery yeah. for me to take two months out of the pool and be like, wow, I need to like find some sort of balance here. And I think that's a challenge, right? Because growing up in athletics, the downside I see a lot of times around this athletic mindset is this all in or all out mentality. Yes. Either everything is like, looked at through, all right, I'm not going to go out tonight because I have morning practice, or I'm not going to, I'm going to give up drinking for four months because I have a big meet in four months. It's always all in or all out. And it's fantastic when you're in that athlete setting and you're trying to be the best. If we're in talking about optimal life performance though, like there's got to be some balance. There's got to be room for an and also rather than that either or. Mm. And I think I touched on that earlier, right? My last job before this, I was very either or mindset of I'm either at work, working with clients, making money, 
or I'm not. Mm. And if I'm not, to me, I wasn't moving forward. And I think that comes from the swim background where if I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be caught dead skipping practice. Mm-hmm. Like I missed two practices in my whole college career. Both of them were off season and they were both just because I drank too much the night before. <laughs> um, not a great excuse, right? Um, but yeah, now it's like, all right, how can I find that balance again? And one of the things that's really helped me and that might help you is this mentality or mantra of slowing down to speed up. Like understanding that those more yin focused, um, lower impact yeah. exercises like Pilates, like yoga, mobility work, stretching is actually going to push you further and increase your performance on the masculine side of things where you're crushing weight workouts and you're doing an EMOM or like whatever it is that you're expressing yourself at, but you need that balance. Right. How did you discover like the masculine and feminine energy? I'm curious. I'm like, so glad you brought that up because I think if you were to say that to any male athlete right now, he'd be like, no, I don't know. I don't associate with that. I don't do that, but it's so important. Yeah, it'd be like, what do you mean I'm not masculine? Right. Like, I have to express a feminine side of me? Like, right. screw that. Right. No way. Right. I'm an athlete. Right. <laughs> and I think that's the stigma that I'm trying to break. Honestly, it's just through conversations that I've had with people and starting to, and books I've read and podcasts that I've started to come across and listen more and more. I've just been really intrigued by just the way we express ourselves as as I'm working through my own identity crisis and life post-sport and helping others do the same, I feel like it's been super eye-opening. I've just found myself in a whole nother world of knowledge and information that I'm like, how are we not teaching this? Like, why isn't this more prevalent? Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I want to circle back to what you said a little bit ago about the all-in, all-out mindset. And I want to talk about, because you're a mindset coach as well not just the physical side of being an athlete, but what happens mentally, because we are starting Mm. to see now, like as sports become more intense and people look at these people, like they're celebrities. Now you're starting to hear about those stories of like that kid who had it all and lost it all, or like, you know, they worked their entire life on this sport and then they got injured and they had nothing. Do you deal and work with people who experience those same things and then they never get back into the sport? Because I feel like the way sports are cultivated now as a kid growing up in the sports is when it's taken away, you literally have nothing. And it's like we're seeing these grown men leave their sport Mm. and women leave their sport and then not know what to do. And then it's like, look at them. Now they're like sick or not with their family or they're you know totally different people because they don't have that sport. So how can you know, how can you do the work or what would you say to someone who's like, I want to keep a balance in both. Like when I leave my sport behind, I want to still have me and not be all into that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. One, I think the first thing that comes to mind with that is when we're in sport, a lot of times the culture is of that of scarcity, right? Like we're chasing a championship. We're chasing to hang banners or whatever, break records, whatever it may be. And that's great. And I'm I'm not saying like, don't have drive in your day to day life. Like we need a driving factor right. to when push, you know, push comes to shove, we power through and we get our work done. However, the downside of that is 
we then lose a sense of gratitude and gratefulness for what we have in this moment. Yeah. And when we can start to shift to a mindset of, wow, I'm so grateful that my body can do this right now. It's just icing on the cake if the championship happens. And then it's like, and people might be like, especially the athletes that are actually playing right now, be like, it's totally wrong. I need to be locked yeah, in. Yeah. And it's, it's super counterintuitive thinking, but I found that in my own career and the people that I've worked with to come true time and time again, is it's actually just flipping that circ- like that cycle on its head and understanding, be really grateful for what your wins are every single day, mm-hmm. what you're doing today. And if you get so lost in that process, I promise you the championship, the thing that you were chasing originally, it will just naturally come to you rather than you having to go to it. It's not saying that you don't have to work hard every day. You absolutely do. But it just becomes a little bit easier because you're celebrating the hard work as it's coming. Um, I'm trying to think. The second part that came to mind with that is understanding like when you get out of it that you are not you're more than just that expression of you it was just one of many ways that you can express yourself and if you're struggling with that transition out I always start with people to help them understand why they got into it in the first place Hmm. so for me and I'd be curious to hear like why you were drawn to swimming and, and volleyball as well for me, it was the connection with the people that I was competing against yeah. and training with every single day. Yeah. So when I started to identify, that was really why I was excited by it. I wasn't excited by the medals or the records right, or right. the honors, accolades. It was the connection. That's why the podcast became a no-brainer. It became an opportunity for me to draw on my connections and actually produce content that's valuable and put that out into the world. And then that led into coaching and it's led into all this stuff now that every single day I wake up and I'm like, wow, I found a new level of me that Mm. I didn't know existed yesterday. And it's crazy. And I'm just in this rediscovery mode and I feel like just overwhelmed with this sense of like when you first started, like for me, when I first started swimming and I was so excited to go to practice and learn something new. Yeah. That's how I feel every day now. And it's because I've identified why I was drawn to that sport in the first place. And I intentionally put it into my day. I love connecting on a podcast or just someone else and learning about what they do and how I can help. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So it all sounds like way too good to be true on your end. And I'm sure people listening are going to be like, wow, it was so easy for him to get to this space. But what was it like when you first left? Like you said, the last race was very anticlimactic. It was just like kind of blah, whatever. You weren't in this headspace right away. How long did it take you and what were your struggles like? Because that post-traumatic wow. stress of being an athlete is so real and it's heavy. Yeah. I think – I don't like the way you were the how long did it take you because I think it's a continuous journey. For sure, yeah. Like yeah. I think I'm still on it Yeah, and I'm rediscovering a new piece every single day, every month, every new conversation. That being said, like on a continuum wise, like I'm definitely further along than when I first stopped. So when I first stopped, yes, slower than I was junior year. It was actually uh, junior year of high school. It was actually my worst place finish, like at the conference level ever in my four year career. And on top of that, then I was like, okay, well, 
the plan was always go to PT school and I'm just going to ride my like swimming success into Delaware's PT program. Mm. Well, Delaware became the number one PT program in the country Damn. while I was an undergrad. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Well, good thing I'm tight with some of those professors. And I talked to the ones I had relationships with and I was like, hey, so can you like get me in? And they were like, you have a two nine GPA. Mm. Like, no. Yeah. And that was when it really felt like a nail in the coffin to me because I was like, wow, I always had physical therapy to fall back on when swimming was over. Like that was my career path. It was swim four years, two years of grad school, and then get into the working world. And all of a sudden that was shattered. Right. So all of a sudden I'm like dealing with, I don't have swimming. I have all this free time, which I have no idea what to do. So I turned to drinking. I turned to being a normal, what I say, being a normal <laughs> college student, but like I took that to the extreme and that's just kind of my personality. I can't do because of swimming. I think fostered it very well. Like I can't do anything without taking it to like the extreme. Like I want to be the best at it. Yeah. And alcohol is something that you don't really want to be the best at right. consuming it. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. it's not a healthy relationship. Right. And it took me a while to um, identify that. And there were some very dark times throughout that, that process that led me to sales and again this is before i identified like why i liked swimming in the first place false assumption i thought it was accolades i thought it was money success hence the sales role and i quickly found myself eight months into that like going through the motions dragging on a day-to-day basis so it's been a journey um and if you're listening to this like understand that it's a continuous process that don't don't think that where you are now is where you have to be forever right you can make a conscious choice right after listening to this to go make a change right to push you in the continuum and build momentum to the direction that you want to go that's what i did and i encourage people to do that too yeah that's incredible i just had so many light bulb moments just now as you were talking because uh, i've said this on the podcast before but so many people look at me or when they talk to me or give me advice, they're like, you're so all or nothing. Like you're so intense. My mom says it, my friends say it. That's how I've always been. And I'm always saying it's the athlete in me. It's when I was competitive, when I was younger, I always wanted to win and be the best. But now as you're talking, I'm like, I don't even know if that was it. Like, and I took that all or nothing mindset into literally everything I did, every relationship, every friendship, work, all of the things. And I'm now at 26, slowly realizing like, it doesn't have to be that serious. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Balance does exist. So I'm in the same boat of like working towards that. But it's just like, it's so crazy how all of these things that happen when we're younger affect us now to this day and like working through that stuff. It's like nobody sat me down in high school or college and said like, hey, this is going to happen. I learned about English and like religion in college. I didn't learn about how to take care of my brain and mental health once I was going to feel like this all or nothing mindset. But Anyway, like totally off tangent, I just had like a light bulb moment on why so many people tell me I'm too intense. So I get it now. But what were the things that when you sat down and you started to like evaluate why you started swimming in the first place, why you loved being an athlete, you said you thought it was like the winning, the accolades, whatever. What were the real reasons now that you've like stepped out of it? What brought you to swimming in the first place? Yeah, it was just that feeling of belonging, like with a group around me. It was 
connecting with people from all different cultures. Like one of my favorite stories actually was just texting with uh, this guy uh, who was my like rival at Towson, quote unquote, my first two years, he's the only guy to beat me in the mile. And like you would think, and then he graduated. So like he had my number for the two years that we overlapped. He always beat me. Um, And you would think like most competitors would be like, ah, no, like screw that guy. He's the worst. No, I have a fantastic relationship with him. He was a great guy, nicest guy ever. Like if I was going to lose to someone, although I hate losing, like I could come to terms with it being him that beat me. And it's so funny how full circle that came because we were more than just competitors that twice a year when we saw each other like he's from the bahamas Mm. and i was on vacation in the bahamas with my family a year after i graduated and i just texted him i said hey i'm going to nassau like any recommendations he goes when are you going i'm actually home visiting my parents like i'll pick you up at the port and he like we did a whole day together me him and his wife and he just drove me around and showed me the local cuisine and all this stuff and i was like wow this doesn't happen if it wasn't for swimming and wasn't for the doors that it opened and the connection. So that was light bulb moment for me. Like I need to do something where I can create experiences like this for other people. And that's why community is like at the core of everything I'm doing, whether it's free content on Instagram or the podcast or paid coaching programs that are in the group setting membership setting right like i want to foster that same kind of community for people right that's that's amazing one thing i'm super that came to mind when you were talking was i'm super proud of that i did go to villanova and it does make me a little sad Mm -hmm. that i didn't take athletics into it because i think a big core value that at least the people i've talked to and that i've known and seen over the years a big core value in athletics at villanova is community and building that community and like the first thing that comes to my mind is now the people who are my age, who I'm still close with, who are p- playing at the professional level, still give back to Villanova. They're still so involved. I feel like they have really picked up on that sense of community and it's all about mm. fostering those relationships. And I see them now as the best in their sport and they're not even being talked about in Villanova anymore. Now they're talked about on the NBA level or whatever it is, baseball, hockey, all of those things that they're not even associated with Villanova anymore. They're in their own league of their own, but they still bring it back to the community and bring it back to like their roots of where they learned why they love the sport the most. And I think that's the difference mm-hmm. between the athletes that become super successful and the ones who do burn out. And, you know, because they lose that connection along the way. Cause I think community is a huge part of being an athlete and athletics and giving back to your community and just like fostering those relationships. Cause like you said, when you go on vacation, how cool is that to be able to spend time with someone who's just as passionate about you as with one thing and you already have so many things in common. So that in my opinion is like the best part of athletics and you love as a kid or like even now you love seeing like on TV athletes joking back and forth on different teams or like seeing on social media, their families together, or the relationships they create. That to me is like the highlight of athletics is how it can bring people together So I think Mm. now like being removed from it, it's so much cooler to see the athlete mindset when it comes to like the good. And it's not just the money, the fame, the burnout, the bad things, the like getting sick or getting injured. So I think there really is like multiple levels to being an athlete and it's a lot to unpack, but it's really cool and interesting. Yeah. I just thought of Shrek and like the onion analogy, like peeling back the layers there. And I think that's, (laughs) as silly as that analogy is like 
yeah, on the outside eye looking in at sports, like if you're not really involved in it, it's easy to write people off. It's like, wow, they're narcissistic. Like they just, they're egotistical. Like they love themselves and they're only in it for the money. Right. And then you start to peel back these things. And it's why it's super cool to see like LeBron and his Taco Tuesday take off the past like year or so. Because you finally see LeBron as like this guy who enjoys tacos, just like 99% of America. Right. Like he becomes super relatable. Right. And yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned roots. That's I think what's why you feel getting back to athletic stuff now, movement wise, is feeling more like you because you're getting back to one of your foundational uh, values there. And it's like it was part of your roots. Yeah. That's what I always encourage people, I mean, no matter what level you get to, like you have to water your roots. Otherwise you're just going to topple over. So never, no matter what level you're at, like always go back to foundational stuff. It's going to be literally what builds up everything else. People lose sight of that a lot. Yeah. What would you say to someone who was listening to this, who, if they didn't turn it off by now, but can't relate to anything we're saying, like didn't grow up as an athlete, was like, I don't know what comes to mind is my younger sister. She's, she was like, not the athletic one. She would always laugh at sports. She still did all of them. Of course, my parents made her swim and made her play volleyball, but she was like the one everyone was like, Oh, give her the medal for just showing up. Like good for her for trying. But what would you say to the people who are listening to this now that are like, I kind of want to tap into that athletic mindset, but I was never an athlete, but I want to feel like that. Yeah. Identify like what an athletic mindset means to you and just start small. Find ways to introduce that into your daily action. It doesn't have to be this all or nothing mentality that we talked on earlier, right? Like it can be something as simple, like I'm just going to make a choice to run today or I'm going to walk a mile today, whatever. It's going to look different for everyone. But I think everyone, again, as an athlete, if they choose to move their body intentionally and then it carries over to other areas of their life because they're choosing intentional actions and they're choosing how they want to be represented on a daily basis and in in that sense they're choosing how they're going to define themselves for lasting impact beyond that yeah wow that's incredible do you feel like this good all the time i feel like you're just spitting straight knowledge and you're like yeah i feel like this happy every day and this strong every day do you feel like you have your days where it's just not going it's not flowing yeah, definitely. I have, I 1000% have my off days. Um, I just got back, I guess now it's been like two and a half weeks, but I was down in Brazil um, with a friend of ours, Nick Pags and ah, his girlfriend. Yeah. And I felt amazing down there. And then I came back and I definitely just was pulling the jet lag excuse for like a week. Um, and I know very well, like jet lag doesn't last that long. So I was definitely thrown off my game and I, I get that way oftentimes, but what I've always found to me to help me reset that is through getting back to my roots, getting back to movement. I mean, that's why last week I did a five, five AM, five Ks, five days in a row to restart and just kickstart my day again. And it's tapping back into that roots of, Hey, starting in seventh grade, that's when I first had to wake up at 4 a.m. to go to swim practice. I'm at a, I'm used to it. Like my body actually thrives better in that framework and that structure than if I were to sleep in until 10 and just like mosey into my day that way. 
I know that that works for me because I've seen it over and over. However, other people out there, I know like a 4 a.m. wake up is uh-uh. probably like, absolutely not. Uh-uh. <laughs> and that's okay. Your body type might just be different than mine. And that's okay. There's no like right or wrong there. It's just what works for you. Yeah, cool. And I want to finish up. I love asking people that come on the show this, but if you could tell me, let's do from like the last month, we'll keep it pretty big, pretty broad, your hot mess moment of the month. And then you, your like wellness moment where you were just like, this day was perfect. Mm, hot mess moment of the month. Um, I'm trying to think. It's a good question. <laughs> Um, See, you're perfect, Corey. You don't have any hot mess. <laughs> no, I, hot mess <laughs> was also, it was like a lot of fun. Um, I went cliff jumping in Rio oh. and ended up getting a sea urchin in my foot um, afterwards. And I'm in the process right now of training for a marathon and that's supposed to happen in five days. <gasps> so that really set back my uh, my training for that quite some time as Uh-oh. I'm finally out of my foot now a few weeks later but was not a fun time yeah i would say that was the closest thing i've had that i first thing that comes to mind (laughs) okay and so you're running a marathon that's going to be like your wellness moment of the month where is this marathon and have you run one before yes um so last year your audience is just gonna completely think i'm insane (laughs) so last year i ran a solo marathon memorial day weekend because i again, all or nothing mentality, right? Like I ran a 5k in March and was like next weekend, I ran a 10, 10k, ran a 15, ran a half marathon. Oh my God. And I was like, I might as well just run a marathon. Like how bad is it? Casual, casual. So I did it. It was very slow, but I did it. Um, and I learned a lot about myself in the process. And then I thought I never wanted to run again. And then it bit me like, a few months ago, I was like, I think I'm going to run another one oh, man. and I want to crush my time. So now I'm running again, solo. I'm just going to be running around LA for a few hours on Saturday morning. And oh my, God. <laughs> my roommates are going to be following me around with some hydration oh, cool. stuff, yeah. and, which will be a huge plus. Last year, my roommates or my friends that were there with me kind of sucked and didn't <laughs> wake up um for me to run this of course so i ran a the first half was in the pouring rain second half was like humid beating down sun and it was totally by myself um i'm hoping this time some people join me for a few miles i hope so too yeah i hope so too (laughs) well good luck with that i was supposed to run a marathon may 1st in up in milwaukee but it was canceled so they were like you can run it virtually and log your time and i was like "Mm, solo marathon no 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 so i'm just gonna wait till the next one comes but good luck with that that's gonna be incredible come on out to la join me god absolutely not no definitely not (laughs) but all right well finally let's wrap up with where can everybody listening find you and how can they work with you if they were interested yeah, absolutely. First off, thank you for the time. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for coming It's on. always fun having these um, conversations. People can find me Instagram at Corey Camp. Website is CoreyCamp.com. And podcast is the Athletic Mindset Podcast. Wherever you're listening to stuff, if you enjoyed this conversation, pop on over to that afterwards and find some more. And if you're interested in talking a little bit more about where you're at, just shoot me a note and I'd be happy to 
hop on a call. Incredible. And you can absolutely tell me to cut this after, but I know there's going to be some girls in my DMs because I have a lot of girls who follow me. Corey Camp, are you single? I am. So <laughs> anyone out there, I'm looking for love. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh my God. Amazing. I know the second I put this episode out, people are going to be like, uh, excuse me. Hello, Kristen. Where can I get that? So there we go. You heard it for first. But thank you, Corey. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. I've um, This was honestly probably one of my favorite episodes to date just because I love talking about the athletic mindset and getting back into my roots. So thank you for sitting down with me and for entertaining me, making me feel like an athlete for 45 minutes. I love it. I'm happy to help. Thanks, Kristen. You're so welcome. There we go. We're back. We're re-recording because Corey thought of a better hot mess story. Go. All right. So it's outside of the past month, but when I was getting ready to move, I my roommate had moved out a few weeks earlier out of Arlington. He was in DC. Um, thankfully, he only moved a few miles away. I was packing up my car and it's just me. It's the morning of the move. Movers are coming. My parents are coming. I go down to take something to my car and I realize I left my keys in my jacket in my apartment. And locked I locked apartment. myself out. And no. it, was, it was MLK day. So the building was closed. Oh. The like person that, like the front desk wasn't there to help me out. The like janitor person on staff wasn't there to let me in. And <laughs> even worse, my phone was also in my jacket. Oh my God. So I was like, I have no way of contacting like anyone. Like, what do you do in 2021 without a phone? Like, I didn't know what to do. Uh-uh. So luckily, my one of my good friends lived around the corner, went to her house, like basically woke her up and was like, hey, I know it's like 730. I need your phone to like call my parents. And they were like, where's your phone? It's like, it's a long story. <laughs> call my parents, let them know what's up. Ironically, she used to date my roommate at the time. So I was like, and I'm also going to have to have you text your ex. Oh, we're going to have to go pick up. We're going to go have to pick up (laughs) keys from him. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, it all worked out. We got my old roommate's keys and got back in. It only delayed me about two hours. But how pissed was she? How pissed was she that she had to text her ex for you? Yeah, it wasn't a great uh, start to her Monday. That's for sure. Definitely not. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And on a Monday, you ruined her entire week. Yeah. Uh, Laura, if you're listening to this, I still love you. Thank you so much. Poor Laura. Oh, God. Well, that's a hot mess moment. That's something I would do. So we're on the same field there. Yes. Yeah. I proved my worth on this podcast. (laughs) 